0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is going on? Golden Edge Podcast coming at you once again the first regular season version of the podcast and the first time that we are in different places because Adam Hill is me. I'm here in studio in lovely Las Vegas and Ben Goats on the road with the Golden Knights in Washington, D.C. How you doing, sir?
1: Not too bad. You know, I've got uh, Hamilton songs going through my head as I explore our nation's
0: capital. So it's... It's pretty perfect. Yeah, you really do love that Hamilton soundtrack. You're uh, out of control with that. And now you're like kind of putting it into historical context. I don't like that at all.
1: It's beautiful. You got, you know, rap and our current musical formats co- coinciding with our nation's history. Oh, it's phenomenal. And I'm in my element right now. No, I'll I, tell you that.
0: Myself. I enjoy the Hamilton soundtrack. I just don't enjoy you enjoying it so much and being able to tie it in with where you're at. So that that's where I'm that's where I at on this uh this debacle of your Hamilton obsession uh so yeah you were there you're in DC uh the Golden Knights played yesterday in Buffalo and now you uh went there to practice on uh in DC today and then tomorrow as you know I don't, I'm not sure when people are listening to this but just put it in context of when we're talking uh tomorrow the rematch of the Stanley Cup final in DC so we'll get into what's been going on so far but um I just wanted to go right off the top practice today uh before we get into some other things that are going on what was kind of the sense that you got it's you know not a great start to the season as we'll get into but you know plenty of games ahead no doubt about that so where where's the team's mind at
1: yeah I think from what I've talked to you know a bunch of guys they've all said they like the way that they've played overall it's just they're making a bunch of mistakes especially in the defensive end that are costing them but I think the general sense you get is if they keep up this same process they're eventually going to get results they've had a ton of shots in these first three games they haven't scored a lot um, which is why they're one and two right now but I think the general vibe is hey we can pick up a little um, on the defensive end but offensively eventually the goals are going to come and we're going to start figuring things out on this road trip.
0: Yeah, and so, as we said, it's only three games into the season, long way to go. But, you know, there is some, you know, some things starting to, uh, you know, shape out and and to look at. And I'm sure things are not going to be the same all season long. But, um, you know, just you said where the team, where the team vibe is of, hey, just stick with it, figure it out. But, you know, three games into the season, uh, what have been your observations of what you've seen, especially these two games on the road? Yeah, I think the biggest
1: observation is this team is clearly missing Cody Eakin and Alex Tuck so far. Now, Eakin actually might be back for the Capitals game. Uh, Talk to him after practice today and then talk to Coach Gerard Gallant after practice. It sounds like the vibe is they're expecting him to play tomorrow against the Capitals. He has a few official hoops to kind of jump through to make that a done deal, but it sounds like that's the expectation is he will meet all those benchmarks and he will play. And that's huge because I think especially – Their third line has struggled so far. Uh, It's been Tomas Nosek, uh, Ryan Carpenter, and Oscar Lindbergh. They have zero points between the three of them. Carpenter and Lindbergh are minus four on the year. Nosek is minus three. So that's a line that's given up a lot of goals. And you have to think if Alex Tuck and Cody Eakin are in the lineup that they're giving up less goals because those are both kind of smart two-way players. And their third defensive pair is kind of finding its footing, too. Uh, Jonathan Merrill has an assist, but he is minus two on the season. And Nick Holden, their free agent acquisition, has no points and is minus three. So you just see the key absences have really kind of shown up so far at this year with no Cody Eakin, no Alex Stuck, and then, of course, on the defensive side, no Nate Schmidt for another 17 games because of his suspension.
0: Yeah, for sure. That is, that's a big factor uh, right now when you mention you know that third defensive pairing that's you know guys that might have a lot less minutes. Uh, if Nate Schmidt was around. So uh, that would solve a little bit of the of the defensive issues, uh, you would think. Uh, but so far this season, it was the home game against Philadelphia, which I think a lot of people were surprised. Uh, you know, Golden Knights come out and score early, as they often do at home, and then everything kind of fell apart from there. Uh, that was not cer- certainly not the start a lot of people expected and, and were hoping for out of the Golden Knights. But I, I kind of looked at that as, We say all the time, you don't know how emotion is going to impact games. Uh, When there's a lot of emotion involved, it can go two very different ways. Last year, the very emotional opener uh, at home, they come out, they have the ceremony, and just pour on the goals early on. And if you don't do that, I think a lot of times there's an adrenaline dump, and they scored the one goal, and then all of a sudden it just got, uh, I think, the energy zapped out of uh, the team and the building and everything else after – um, you know, given up a couple of late late in the first period, I think that's an easy-to-explain game. I just think it's, you know, it, it's emotion and then getting everything into that first, you know, start of the game, scoring one goal, but then everything kind of uh, drains out of you and, and there's not a whole lot left there uh, going forward. That's easy to explain. The, the, the last two games are a little bit different. I mean, I, I, I would say the game in Minnesota, really that... Getting that win in a game that you trailed the entire way and then score uh, in the final minute and then win it in a shootout, that that makes the the start of the season look so much more palatable. But I don't know if, if you should be fooled uh, by that being a win. I mean, that was a game that easily could have been in the lost column, and they're looking at 0-3 in a totally different
1: start. Yeah, it's interesting. They were 90 seconds away from like, starting 0-2 in that point, and then Max Pacioretty scores with Flurry on the bench. Though that was the game that they already kept pointing to, is like, hey, if we play like we did in Minnesota, yeah. we'll be fine. Uh, Jar Golan has brought that up multiple times on the road trip since then, and he does have a point. I mean, they were getting so many shots on net. They were clearly controlling play in Minnesota. It just They ran into a hot goaltender in Devin Dubnik, who was literally doing everything, it seemed, at times for the Minnesota Wild. I mean, especially in the second period, the Wild just worked flat, did not have a lot of energy to their game and the Knights were kind of taking it to him but Dubnik was just doing everything he could to keep his team in front and he unfortunately, was not able to do so ultimately and then Eric Haula gets the uh, shootout goal and gets the win against his old team and keeps the knight feeling a little bit more positive than they probably would have otherwise.
0: Yeah, and, and that was a case of getting a lot of really good chances. They've been getting shots in, in the other games. They just the chances have not been you know great a chances as you would say they've been just just shots you know they've been getting shots in there and those aren't always the same as you know creating the best shot and getting the best chance and we we've, we've seen other teams do that we saw buffalo yesterday their chances it they didn't get a whole lot of shots and that's why shots on shots on goal sometimes is a a weird stat uh, but they got the ones that they did were just outstanding chances and uh, put you know high high danger chances for the defense and you know those are what you want to generate and and the the knights did that in Minnesota they they haven't really done that in the other games and I think that's why that is an encouraging game if you want to look at it and I, I'm sure uh, Gallant and the team is looking at it that way saying hey listen that that's that's the way you play and that's the way you generate chances and if you do that they'll start to go in eventually. Uh, but you can't just take shots and say, hey, if we get enough shots, they're going to go in. Like You you have to get quality chances, and they did that in the one game. They haven't done it in the others.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think even though the Sabres were outshot heavily in that game against the Knights, I think their coach, Phil Housley, would have taken their shots over the Knights' shots any day of the yeah. week. I mean, you had their center, Jack Eichel, just going – untouched down the middle of the defensive zone. No one picks him up. Basically a shootout chance for him. And of course he beats Flurry backhand to put it in the net. I mean, Jason Pommenville was left pretty much alone in the slot, had enough time and space to fire off a point-blank one-timer. I mean, those are shots that are going to go in more often than they're not. And so there is something to be said for the fact that, yes, the Knights are getting all these shots, but they need more high-quality chances. And, I mean, especially I think right now, they need to not – Give up high-quality chances with the next two games they have coming up against the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins, two teams that have players that know very well how to put the puck in the net.
0: Yeah, no, no question about that. Uh, So, you know, you mentioned those two teams. It's back-to-backs. It's emotional. You know, you know, you know, games with storylines. I guess we would say uh, coming up here. Certainly, the the flurry return to Pittsburgh on the horizon, but the the rematch with the Capitals. Uh, the Stanley Cup Final uh, from last year, and now you get them early in the season. Uh, it's a, it's a, you know, a big spot here for the Knights, and uh, the way that they're playing, I, I can't imagine uh, that they, you know, that they're going to have anything but an intense amount of focus on this game and a lot of passion going into playing uh, against the Capitals, trying to get back at that team that beat them. But uh, is it a good spot for them right now to? to go into a game like this against a team like the Capitals that have scored a ton of goals. Uh, The Golden Knights have really struggled to score goals. It doesn't seem like the best time to be having this Stanley Cup final rematch for the Knights.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. They will get Cody Eakin back, as I mentioned earlier, so that could really help fill out their lineup. But Paul Stasny now appears to be questionable. I believe he hurt uh, his leg in the game against the Sabres, so he didn't practice today, so it's unsure if he's going to play for the Knights tomorrow. And if he can't go, that all of a sudden sets up uh, an interesting domino effect across their lineup where you might have to move Hala back to center on that second line. Do you move Nosik up a spot? So they might have to kind of jumble their forward group a little tomorrow to play the Capitals, which is, like I said, not what you necessarily want going into a big emotional game, especially when you have another big emotional game the day right after in the Pittsburgh Penguins where, of course, that's Marc-Andre Fleury's old team. We're not sure if he'll play against them because he's likely going to start against the Capitals and they probably won't want to start in back-to-back games. But, I mean, this is kind of a tough spot early. I mean, Washington and Pittsburgh is kind of a as tough of a road back-to-back as you're going to have. Yeah,
0: I, I, I was interested because I saw, um, you know, you had, you had put in, in a uh, email to me that you thought Flurry was going to start against the Capitals. Was that an indication from Gallant or from the team, or is that just a speculation thing? Because I would think – I would think you sit him against the Capitals and let him play against Pittsburgh because he is only going to play one of the games in almost all certainty. So I guess it's interesting to figure out which one he goes with.
1: Yeah, Gallant hinted at it today. I mean, he wasn't really going to confirm anything, but he definitely made it sound like it's probably going to be Flurry. It sounded like Flurry wants the start against the Capitals. He wants you know another game against this team that kind of had their way against him in the final last year. And then I would expect, uh, in all likelihood, unless something crazy happens, that we'll probably see Malcolm Subban in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, and Subban got some, you know, some looks against f- the Flyers. Didn't give up any goals in the second half of that game. Uh, after the Flyers had kind of uh, gone into a shell a little bit defensively, but I, you know, it is, you know, you don't want to put too much on Floyd because I think the chances have just been really good on the other side. He's been left out to dry on quite a few occasions. Uh, but any concern about? You know, Flurry is an, an older gentleman for a hockey player. Uh, he's played a lot of games last season uh, down the stretch after, you know, missing quite a few with injury. So um, what, what is the thought right now on, on Flurry? I, I would say, you know, it, it's very early in the season. You don't want to make too many uh, judgments yet. And he did play really well uh, the Minnesota game. So I, I don't have a whole lot of concern out of that position. But any sense of nervousness around him?
1: No, I don't think so. Like you said, he's played well in the one game. And the other two games, I mean, both uh, post-game coach Jargalan has basically like absolved flurry of blame. And the players kind of have too. I mean, after the Buffalo game, Jonathan Marshall was like straight up, you know, we've let him down two out of three games. It's on us. And I think a lot of his teammates would agree with that. Max Pacioretty basically echoed those statements too after the Buffalo game. And I think if you look at all the goals Flurry has allowed so far this year, there are not a lot that you can say that's definitely on him. I can't think of a, you know, kind of soft goal he's given up so far. said all those Buffalo goals were either high danger chances right in front of him or there's one that uh, the puck bounced off William Carlson's uh, backside, we'll say, <laughs> and uh, passed flurry. So it's just a weird deflection that it's hard to handle. And so I don't think there's a lot of goals that you can go back and look at this year and say, you know... Flurry could have definitely played this better. It's just been a lot of one-timers and close chances that are hard for any goaltender to stop.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, like we said, big games coming up. Three more games on the road trip, and uh, then they come home for an extended period. Uh, so we'll you know monitor that and and assume that Flurry gets to start in one of these two games, and Suman starts the other. And you said looks like Galan is hitting at Flurry playing against the Capitals in the first uh, of these of these games. I've, the last thing I want to talk about as far as the games that have gone on, uh, maybe not the last thing, but one of, the th- one of the last points is, you know, last year it was just like, especially the start of the season, it was, you know, everything just came together and people were so shocked and surprised and there was no expectations and they just kept winning and started 8-1-1. and And now all of a sudden you look and say, those, th- those things that were just magically happening just aren't happening right now, uh, th- there's – is it like is it a you know, a case of last year, everybody wanted to sell the narrative and the storyline of there's just something special and magical happening. So if you want to talk about that and you want to look at it that way, isn't there a time when that just ends? If that's what it was, and you can't you kind of can't have it both ways. Like either it was magical or it was just a really good hockey team. And so this year, if there's you know if, if it was a magical thing in a an inspirational thing more than just a hockey thing eventually that ends. So, you know, I, I guess people could, you know, there could be some fans that have some concern of, Hey, maybe it's just not going to be their year.
1: Yeah. But I think Riley Smith had kind of a president quote, uh, after Buffalo where he was like, Hey, basically that's hockey. Sometimes you're going to have chances and not score. And I think, what was so crazy about this team last year is it seemed like every time they had a scoring chance, they converted. Whereas now you're seeing what kind of every hockey team generally goes through is, you know, sometimes those chances don't go in. Sometimes you get frustrated by an opponent or a hot goaltender. Like they almost did in Minnesota. And it's part of kind of the natural progression of a season Just you have to fight through some of those slumps and still try to find ways to get points and keep your spot in the standings. So I think we're seeing, you know, compared to last year, this year is going to be kind of a normal NHL regular season grind, where the points aren't always going to be easier, it's not always going to be pretty or spectacular, but you just have to find ways to generate goals and keep moving up on the standings. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of adapt their style when things aren't always going their way.
0: So what, what if anything is right now? And you know, I, I ask you because you are. Uh, on the road with them while, um, you know, I'm back here watching people fight outside of cages. Uh, what What is the level, I guess, of um, of concern of anything? Is there anything right now that you look at, and we've talked about this, it's, I want to caution people, no matter what we say here, it's incredibly early in the season. It's a very, very, very small snapshot of what's going on. We're just kind of, you know, breaking down what is going on. But is there anything right now that you look at and say, oh wait, that might be an issue long term? That could be a factor on the season.
1: There's nothing that super jumps out to me right now, because even the stuff we talked about earlier is probably temporary. The stuff where the third line hasn't gelled well yet. Well, Eakin's potentially coming back tomorrow. Alex Tuck, we're not sure when he's coming back. But eventually the assumption is he will come back, you know, the third pair on Defense hasn't gelled quite yet, but Nate Schmidt will eventually come back after 17 more games. So there are, like I guess, solutions on the horizon for this team. It's just a matter of, can they kind of weather this early storm that they've experienced so far where things haven't gone perfectly or aligned the way they want them to? And can they basically not fall out of it and keep finding ways to get points until they get back to full strength and then potentially really try to make a run?
0: Yeah, for sure, and you know, as you're saying, those guys when they get healthy and come back, and then all of a sudden that builds up uh, the lower lines. You know, the bottom six uh, will be helped out by either you know Tuck onto the second line and Howler dropping down, or Howler staying up there and Tuck playing on the third line, and um, you know we'll see uh, what comes out of that. The other uh, issue there, and and whenever Tuck comes back, will also help it. O oh, for eight on the power play. That that's not that's certainly not something. Uh, that you expect out of this team again early in the season, uh, but have you seen anything of uh, of concern on the power play unit that uh, that might be fixable, or is this just hey, it's three games you haven't scored and it'll come?
1: I think there's definitely an element of that. Of you know, it's one of those things where early in the season, if they go two for two against the Capitals, well, all of a sudden their power play is amazing. Yeah, I do think they're still tweaking some things, though. Uh, Colin Miller was kind of the was quarterbacking that first power play unit. Now they've given that job back to Shea Theodore, or at least they did against the Sabers. I expect he would keep it moving forward. So there's still some tweaking going on, but like I said, it's early enough where if they have one hot game on the power play, all of a sudden uh, everything gets fixed real quick.
0: Yeah, you're right about stats being being funny in that way. Where if you did convert on the next two, all of a sudden like, wow, twenty percent, okay. That's that's something they got something going there. Uh, so we'll we'll continue to monitor that as well. Uh, Gerard Glant did mix up a little bit of things on the uh, the third and fourth lines yesterday. I think just trying to to spark something uh, out of his team. So we'll we'll monitor what they do moving forward there uh, with you know guys coming back and and trying to work back into the rotation. Uh, we, we mentioned Capitals on deck followed by the Penguins. Both teams have been outstanding offensively, uh, but the Capitals do come in off a little bit, little, little bit of a break. be interesting to see if that was uh, some time that cooled them off a little bit, because their offense was really clicking before this little break they had.
1: Yeah, 13 goals in two games, which is just, you know, a juggernaut pace, mm-hmm. but then they got uh, they played a back-to-back the first two days of the regular season, Wednesday, Thursday, and then had six days off, which is a very... Weird schedule. They played the Bruins at home, where they opened up, had the big ceremony, put the Stanley Cup banner there. By the way, William Carlson said he did not notice the Stanley Cup championship banner while they were practicing in Capital One Arena today. And yeah, he did. He's probably not going to look at it tomorrow, which I found funny. Um, he, he
0: they no- had that he big noticed. game
1: against the. <laughs> but they had that big game against the Bruins. They play a crazy game against the Penguins. I believe it was seven to six in overtime. I mean, just an insane basically shoot out the entire game for those two teams and then the capitals have just been chilling since then so it'll be interesting to kind of see after that high energy start where you have the banner and then the next night you play a big rivalry game against the penguins and it goes to overtime and then everything just kind of goes quiet for six days so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of ramp their energy back up to play the knights
0: yeah i think it's a good time uh for the knights to catch them in that in that sense of hey they're struggling they want to uh, get back on the ice and, and really fight uh to you know and I'm talk, talking about the Knights really you know fight to uh, to make some improvements and the other side of the capitals were just uh offensively uh, blowing up and then all of a sudden had to sit back and and not get back on the ice when I'm sure they wanted to, to play again the next night and keep that offensive rhythm going uh, so maybe a good time in that regard uh, to, to play the capitals uh, in this spot but as you said, tough spot go on the road. Uh, for a long trip, you got back-to-backs coming up here, and then uh, one more game after that, and then back to Vegas for a lengthy homestand. Uh, and, and I'm sure uh, the fans here will be hoping uh, to, that they are playing a little bit better when they get here uh, to Vegas in a few days. Uh, but that's you know that that's where they're at right now. Road trip continues. A very very tough swing on the East Coast. Ben is is really struggling already through the cold weather towns of. <laughs> Minnesota and Buffalo, and now in DC, walking around singing Hamilton songs. Uh, if you are in DC, if you're headed to the game to go watch the Knights on the East Coast, you can find Ben just cruising around, singing and rapping and dancing. I'm sure in the streets, standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial, it'll be a good time. Is that is that something that you plan on doing?
1: Absolutely. As soon as I finish up all my work today, I'm heading straight there.
0: All right. Please get video of that, or have <laughs> make so my uh, make Dave go with. My- you.
1: Pitch my hit musical, Lincoln. It'll be a great sequel follow-up.
0: <laughs> it actually would be good. Uh, yeah, work on I that. I thought so, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, work on that. I know you're going to have some plane rides here, so work on that uh, while you're flying. And uh, make sure you get that uh, back to us when you when you return. Uh, we have everything you need to know about the Golden Knights up at re- ReviewJournal.com. And, Ben, I think before – you know, we didn't even mention – the last game of this road trip and i need to get it in because i was about to get out of here but i do need to mention where the golden knights go after f- washington and pittsburgh philly philly and that means only one thing it's gritty time <laughs> i am so jealous did you did you follow uh, first of all do you follow gritty on instagram
1: Uh, I do not follow Gritty on Instagram. You
0: need to do that. His Instagram story yesterday was fantastic in every way. He went to the aquarium because they're getting ready to play the sharks, and he tried to attack all the sharks in the tanks. And then he went to the gift shop and tore apart all these stuffed sharks that they had and just horrified the kids. It was tremendous. I love that guy.
1: He is, a, he is a phenomenal mascot. I'll actually not be there, though. I'm flying home uh, Friday morning, so only, only Dave will be there in Philly to make that trip.
0: You need to fix that. <laughs> you need to figure out some way to make that happen, because I love Gritty, and our esteemed producer, Larry Mears, in here showing Gritty photos to me and really making me happy right now, uh, I am sorry that you're not going to be in Philadelphia, Uh, make sure you follow Dave on that journey because he will get us all the gritty info we need for sure, Uh, but yes, I already told you we were leaving, now we really are leaving, Uh, thanks to Ben great job, Uh, make sure you follow along on Twitter on the website ReviewJournal.com for the Golden Edge, Adam Hill, Ben Goats Larry Meir and his gritty photos, we'll talk to you guys again real soon